Hey everybody, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles and thank you to Seminole Boosters for their support of this program and more than that, their support of Florida State student-athletes. If you're listening to this show and you're not a booster, what are you doing? Support the program and the student-athletes you care about. All the information you need is online at boosters.fsu.edu. Your gift makes an impact. It supports scholarships and sports medicine, strength and conditioning, nutrition, equipment. Buy tickets, show the student-athletes you care. All the info you need, boosters.fsu.edu. And all the info you need this week, well, here's Front Row Knowles. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Good day, everybody. We welcome you back to Front Row Knowles. Tom Block, Keith Jones, KJ, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You know, this time of year, four and five and 12 years ago, we were all getting ramped up for National Signing Day. And and now, what do we have to talk about? NIL, NIL, uh, transfer portal. I mean, the topics have just completely shifted. Do you want to talk about NIL? What would you like to discuss? Not really, other than other than um, for those that follow this type of thing, you know, Florida's law for the state of Florida specifically prohibits institutions would be involved in NIL discussions with the players. There's been language, there's been a bill passed that would change or uh, proposed that would change that language. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, we still haven't figured out what NIL is going to do for everybody. I do know it makes for good uh, conversation and reading when, you know, your freshman quarterback was promised $13 million. And then all of a sudden you don't have it. So he wants to be released from his, uh, previously signed, uh, letter of intent and go somewhere else. I, I, I think that's conversational. What do you think? I think it is. I find it curious, Keith, and I haven't seen these, but nobody talks, nobody really talks about the dollar amounts. That one is out there. But everybody else, it's almost as if the first line in uh, whatever contractual arrangement they have with the collective at their respective school says, uh, you will forfeit all dollars if you mention, actually, your your payments anywhere. Because it doesn't feel like it's concrete or out there very much. I hear you. I'm waiting for the uh, techies that really know how to do things uh, to uh, try to get uh, uh, players' bank account, their checking account balances. Or if they if they do a withdrawal from an ATM and their remaining balance is listed on that little piece of paper, you know, can somebody get a copy of that or get a record of that? That's what I that's that's the next line of investigative reporting. ATMs, Keith, are gonna go the way of the dodo bird. I hate to break it to you. Everything's everything's wrapped up right here in the phone and you can just transfer money you are back correct. and forth. You are without... correct. Uh, but I don't Venmo or whatever that is. Uh, and I still carry around a little bit of pocket money. Uh, I'm old school. I was not raised during the depression, but I was raised when cash was king. <laughs> uh, I, although it wasn't king for you uh, during your playing days, the way I didn't it have is it for which current is players. I didn't have it. It was just king. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I, I still, and we've, we've talked about this, uh, Florida State's crushing it, as everybody knows, in the transfer portal. It's unconventional. People talk about it being unsustainable. I, I just don't know. I mean, you can keep signing top five high school classes, but if a third of those kids transfer out every year, uh, how 
I'm trying to think of the way to phrase it. At, at some point, yes, you still have have all you know top ranked players, but they're not as experienced and mature as what other schools are getting in the portal, and so it it levels the playing field a little bit more. Time will tell it's, on that, but it certainly makes it different. Uh, you know, there's two aspects of it. Used to be you signed your players, and once they were signed, you didn't have to worry about them. Well, now you've got two other things you have to pay attention to. Number one, you've got to recruit your own players every year in order to attempt to keep them in your program. And then we have this whole new thing called the portal where you've got to have eyes and ears watching what's going on and evaluating what's going on. Not even, you know, Florida State does recruit nationally, but, you know, in the day, you know, you wanted to recruit, be, make sure you recruited Florida and the Southeast. Well, when the transfer portal comes along, now you're having to pay attention to all the programs in all the states. Uh, and it's just added a, a couple of other layers of complexity. And we've seen it bear out in the staff that Norvell and, and, uh, and administrations had to put together, where you do have bodies, real live people that can monitor and pay attention and make calls and follow up uh, in ways that you never had to do 10 years ago. Speaking of staff, Keith, you and I haven't had a chance, I don't think, to react to the hiring of Patrick Sertan, or maybe we did talk about it a little bit last week, but now he can officially join uh, the, the staff because the Dolphins have been eliminated as, as that's marinated. Any other thoughts about him joining uh, Mike Norvell's staff? It, it's a solid name. Uh, he's got that 11, what was 11-year uh, track record in the NFL. Uh, although he's only been with the Dolphins, I believe, this one year, he's got that NFL experience. Uh, he spent, uh, as we talked, we did talk a little bit about, he spent uh, six or seven years at American Heritage, which is is basically a junior college in South Florida in terms of their football program at the high school level, won three state championships. Recruiting, teaching, uh, mentoring, um, being a role model, because he's still a young man, at least compared to you and I, uh, I think is a great hire, a great hire. Yeah, I think it is too. And, and well connected in South Florida, which you mentioned American heritage. So uh, we'll, we'll see how he fits in, but, I, but I like it. And, and obviously we all like the trajectory. We've talked a lot about that. We are going to uh, invite uh, and have Aria Masudi join us next segment. Uh, you know, his voice, you know, his face does a lot of ACC network extra stuff calls the women's basketball games. Women's basketball team, by the way, is having a phenomenal season. So, Off the charts. Off the charts. Yeah. Also, he'll call baseball, and that's coming up. So we'll hit a, a myriad of uh, topics with Aria Masudi. Also works with the Osceola when we come back. And then later on, I've got one more thing to discuss, and uh, it involves conference commissioners, KJ, which we haven't <laughs> discussed yet. So we'll get to that uh, as we continue on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. We welcome you back to Front Row Knowles, and it's time to open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And we Say hello to an old friend, though not that old compared to our the average age of our guests, I guess, KJ. Arya Masudi is with us, who uh, among many of the bullets on his expansive business card includes uh, doing work for the Osceola. Arya, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Appreciate you having me. Always excited and a big fan of your show. Do you actually list the 92 bullets of all the different jobs you have, or does it just say jack of all trades and available for hire? I think it just says whatever you need. I can take care of it. Like a handyman. 
<laughs> well, I think our listeners would probably maybe initially have known your work from women's basketball, and we'll get to that here as the, the voice of the Knowles for the last several years, but also have called a ton of action for what are we calling it these days uh, in terms of ESPN uh, digital, because it's gone through about 19 brands. Where are we right now? I believe we have uh, evolved into ACC Network Extra, SEC Plus, and I think ESPN3 does technically still exist in uh, some areas, and everyone else can call it the Watch ESPN app. And so I feel like I'm, I'm explaining it to my father at home who is trying to figure out the, the Roku and the Apple TV and how to log in and, and, and the whole nine. So it's, uh, that's where we're at. All right, many of our listeners will will know that you've been doing stuff for a long, long time. It seems, I mean, we're we're up around eight, year eight, year nine, almost year ten. Yeah, we are. KJ uh, was lucky enough to get to work with you a little bit in the football realm uh, back when I was in college, and I know you guys joke I'm not that old, but man, they they tell you it starts flying, and I, I feel like I remember being 21, and I'm uh, a couple of weeks removed from being 29. So eight years going, and uh, every day has been a dream, but yeah, it's been a minute. It, it climbs, doesn't it? it? It ends up, I mean, Tom, you know this too. It ends up catching up and you blink and you've been doing it for 10 years. Tommy, he's now gone to bragging. You notice he went from talking about himself to bragging now at yeah. 29 years of age. Yeah, we're going to really feel bad that he's closing in on 30. Aria, we're going to use today's <laughs> show uh, to try and uh, grow our brand to a younger demographic. So, uh, just be yourself, and I, I'm sure that we'll get the 20-somethings and the millennials to join us and all that. But, uh, Keith, I've probably shared this, but I think this may not be the – it's probably not the first time I met you, Aria, but I, I spoke to V89 when Aria and Kurt, who's also with the Osceola, were, I think, co-sports directors. How many years ago would you put that at, Aria? Oh, my goodness, 20, 2016 probably. So it's been about seven or eight years, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and V89 looked exactly the same that date as it did in the early 90s when I was there, and it probably looks exactly the same right now. Anyway, let's move this along, Kurt, and I, I mean, Kurt, Aria, let's, uh, I, I do want to get to have a significant conversation about football and where FSU's heading, but uh, in light of this, the season that the FSU women's hoops team is enjoying, uh, add some context to this. Uh, I, I, called FSU women's games when they joined the ACC and have called a bunch over the years and you've been calling them as their voice on radio but this is special what they've got going on both in terms of the success they're having out of the gate and then also an individual star who I don't recall ever saying that somebody may be the best player in program history halfway through a freshman season but it feels like that's not out of line so I'll let you go from there. Yeah, I think, you know, you've been well acquainted with, you know, Brooke Wyckoff and, and what she's meant to Florida State. And I think it starts with her, you know, giving her the shot to be the head coach, which I know at times can be controversial, right? When you go inside inside the house, uh, but she went in and hired a staff and um, they have been modern. They have been forward thinking. They have went to the transfer portal, the era that we're in right now, and they have found ways uh, to bring in some veteran talent that I think has calmed the seas, so to speak, especially uh, when you lose so many players that they did last year. And so then you're absolutely right. I don't think I've been calling games now for six years and probably, you know, have 
been a fan or paid attention to women's college basketball for 10 to 10 to 12 years as as a youngster in Tallahassee, but I've never quite seen anything like Tania Latson, not at Florida state. And I was joking with some of the staffers uh, at women's basketball. She kind of reminds you of like the type of players that have gone to UConn in the past, right? Like the type of players that have gone to Notre Dame and have been stars as freshmen, but certainly not ever in Tallahassee. And so this has been incredible to watch and you will not believe that she just turned 19 because of the way she talks the way she handles herself her mentality her leadership it is it is truly special and and I learn from her every single day you know just the way that she approaches each and every game and yeah Tom they haven't had a start like this in a while I mean they've had a couple you know in, in Sue's heyday when they made some elite eights where Letty Romero and company had some really good teams but I think this one has a chance to do something. And a lot of that came to the forefront when they took UConn to the wire in their own backyard. I think that was the moment a lot of people went, okay, FSU might be pretty good this year. Statistically, Aria, I've not seen numbers like this. Uh, Latson is shooting 49% from the field. She's shooting 37% from three, averaging 24.3 points a ball game. She won't play you know, the 40 games or the 42 games unless they go all the way to the final four. But she's going to end up with 750, 800 points in one season. And as you mentioned, she's doing all this as a freshman, as a true freshman. KJ, you're spot on. It's truly incredible. And it's mind boggling. She's got six 30 point performances already and set the single season record in her first year, right? We haven't even finished the season and she's already set the single game record for most 30 point performances. And it's that efficiency that you talk about. And she does it in a variety of ways at the bucket, mid range from deep. And then she'll tell you defensively, she takes more pride in that than anything else. And so she comes out and it's not, you know, uh, a normal to watch her block a shot on someone much bigger than her, pick someone's pocket and take it coast to coast. And she plays the game with a little bit of swagger too. And I just, again, when you, when you talk about Tania Latson, you, you appreciate her quality as a basketball player, but what's mind boggling is the fact that she's, she just turned 19 recently. So uh, that's, that to me is the context in which this becomes incredible. And Florida state gets her for a couple more years after this one too. Aria, I can't profess to follow it that closely right now, but what is up with the, top 25 poll and the fact that Florida state can't seem to claw its way in. I mean, they had a huge, I mean, they embarrassed NC state last week. You mentioned the Yukon game where they got behind early, but gave Yukon more than they expected the rest of the way. They got a win over North Carolina and they're 16 and four and basically what tied for second or maybe third in the league right now. So why is nobody paying attention? I got to tell you, you know, you're absolutely right in that you couldn't tell me that there are 15 better teams in the country right now than Florida State, let alone 25. But I think it goes back to the point that you kind of made. Uh, I don't know if it's knowingly or unknowingly. I really just don't think the coverage and the awareness of women's basketball is really there, right? And, and I think in a lot of ways, we see this in a lot of women's sports. If you start in the top 25, it's very hard for you to fall out of the top 25. And if you don't start in the top 25, you've got to do something pretty spectacular to catch the intention 
of those would-be voters. And I just, I just don't think that they've been watching, truly. I really don't think that a majority of the voters have paid too much attention because I look in the top 25 and there are multiple teams with five losses. There's a team with six losses, teams that Florida State's already beaten head-to-head, and they're ranked in the top 25. And the only thing that I can think is it's playing more of a power ranking in terms of week to week instead of a, a you know full season body of work. But I know that it bothers the team a little bit. They'll, they'll, t- they'll say all the right things uh, outside and, and publicly, but I do know that it's a chip on their shoulder to, to put together some performances and um, they would love to host. I think at the end of the day, a ranking is great, but getting to host the NCAA tournament for two rounds would be even bigger. And I think ESPN's Charlie Cream had FSU last I checked was like a five or six seed, which means you're like right on the cusp there of being one of those 16 teams that get to host. So I think that's probably bigger picture what, you know, the team is worried about, but you're absolutely right. They deserve to be ranked uh, in terms of a marketing tool, in terms of bringing in new fans, uh, in terms of getting casual fans to pay attention. Um, that's really important. And so uh, we hope, you know, maybe a two and a week this week does that for them and they're right on the cusp. They're receiving votes, but yeah. Aria, it is an, it's a factual statement that Brooke is in her first year as the permanent head coach. Folks that have followed the problem when program will know that two years ago when coach Sue took a, a leave of absence or Brooke coached and was the head coach, but she was still doing it within Sue's system. Sue comes back for one last year. She retires. What I'm getting at is that Brooke has not just continued the way Sue does things. She's built upon them. I mean, this is as offensively gifted a system as Florida State fans will see on the hard court from the women's team in 30 years. You're 100% correct, KJ, because right now as it stands, I believe they're averaging just north of 87 a game points per game, which leads the ACC and is like top five in the country. And that would shatter the school record set in like 1990 by a full five points per game. And that was really important to Brooke from just talking to her was revitalizing the offense, getting more modern. She brought in Bill Ferrara, who's the associate head coach. Uh, He came in from St. John's. And if you look at his track record, every place that he's been, the offense skyrockets. And it's called a, a pace and space offense he wants to play with tempo you want to space the floor it's not you know unusual to see five small guards on the floor at one time or four guards and and one post player and the objective is to get downhill to be in attack mode to try and get an early shot in that shot clock if you can get a good one and they want threes and they want layups that's what FSU is trying to do and uh, what we've seen is it's also allowed the Knowles to put defenses on their back foot and it lets the Knowles get to the free throw line, where I believe they're like top 15 in the country right now in free throws made and attempted per game. So it's been a, a lot of fun to watch this offense. It feels like a WNBA, NBA offense, up-tempo. And uh, yeah, when you have Tania Latson uh, running the show, so to speak, she fits that offense perfectly. And it, to your to your point exactly, it has been really fun to watch. We're talking with Aria Masudi, who is the, uh, the I think he said, the sixth-year voice of the women's basketball team. The Knowles, by the way, are at Virginia on Thursday night and then back home against Pitt. Do I have that right this coming Sunday if you want to check them out? That's what's next up. Uh, 
Aria, we're going to, we're going to expand this conversation to, to football and baseball when we come back. But as far as your, uh, your duties with the Osceola, I know you're hosting podcasts, but uh, enlighten our listeners a little bit more about uh, what your role is uh, for Jerry and the gang at the Osceola. Yeah, they've been great. Uh, brought me on as their director of creative media and uh, been in charge of, you know, revitalizing the YouTube, the podcasts, uh, write when I can. I, I would, I love writing. It's the foundation uh, of where I started my career uh, was in print. And um, so I, I've hopefully get to get to do a little bit more of that going forward um, as it permits. But right now, yeah, I'm in charge of the social media and the the video and podcast scene. And so it's been a lot of fun um, and, and really cool to see Jerry's site kind of come to life here with rivals now and as a, as a member of the Osceola. So um, really happy to be here and I'm glad that they have a partnership with you guys. Uh, uh, Aria, when we have some time, when we have some time, not on the air, off the air, you can ask Mr. Block about his one 900 duties for Jerry and the Osceola early in his career. You're not going to have to go down that path. I can't wait to hear about it. I can't wait yeah. to hear about it. I, on that note, we'll go to break and we'll come back <laughs> with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Thank you, KJ. Back on Front Row Knowles, Aria Masudi with us from the Osceola and, and various other uh, employers, I guess I could say. And I appreciate your insight on women's basketball. Aria, before we dive to football, uh, brief thought on Florida State's baseball outlook and infusion of energy with Link Jarrett, given that you're going to be calling 15 or 20 of those games for ACC Network Extra coming up. And, and believe it or not, I think full practice starts here later this month for the baseball boys. Yeah, I think this is the most anticipation the fan base has had around baseball in quite some time. I heard that grandstand tickets sold out faster than they ever have. And they've got people on wait lists to get grandstand season tickets and are trying to figure out, you know, how to get them into the bleachers and anticipating opening weekends. It's going to be a lot of fun, right? Link Jarrett came home and that's a big deal. Um, when you look at what he's done at his other stops, you know, UNCG, uh, Notre Dame, it's like the track record speaks for itself. And so I think Florida state fans are, are really really excited about it. I, I'm, I'm more confident right now in what they have in the lineup than I am on the mound. And, and I think I wouldn't say that I'm nervous more so than I am. I have question marks and I want to see it kind of come to life because in the lineup, you've got Jaime Ferrer back, you know, Tibbs is back. They went and got uh, McGuire Holbrook from West Virginia, who would have led the team last year in batting average um, with his numbers uh, with the Mountaineers in the big 12 uh, and then they went and got Cam Smith, who was, it seems like the last couple of years, the Knowles have gotten one top ranked freshman to kind of spurn the draft and come to school. And that's, you know, Cameron Smith this year, and he'll play the hot corner and uh, you look at it and it's projectable six, three, six, four, and the ball just kind of sprays off his bat um, in a special way. So uh, I like a lot of what they have coming back. I, I mean, I could go through the whole lineup and, and carry on to another one, Jordan carry on who, who I think will be a leader in terms of in that clubhouse this year. Um, but on the mound, it's not that they're missing talent because they have plenty of talent. It's that the roles are going to be new in a lot of ways. You know, it, it was nice to have Parker Messick in your back pocket for a couple of seasons. It was nice to have a Bryce Hubbard and you knew the high end talent that he brought to the table this year. It's going to be Wyatt Crowell going from, you know, three, four innings and 50, 60 pitches to, can you do it? For six or seven innings and, and can you get to that 90 pitch to 100 pitch mark and keep your stuff keep the quality of your command um, and see a lineup 
three times through, right? They're seeing you for a third time. So those are question marks. And then Montgomery and Baumeister, I think, have shown flashes of what they can bring to the table, but it's never fully been put together yet. Um, and more so Carson than Jackson, who's just a sophomore coming in this year. So those three, I think, are somewhere in the weekend. Um, a, a Connor Whitaker, who has been solid uh, for, for his freshman year and is a strike thrower, he could factor into the mix. And then they've got to figure out roles behind that, right? And then who's your setup guy? Who's your closer? You got lefty specialists, righties. And then uh, there's a, it's a really hard schedule. And that's what I took away from seeing it. You go to TCU, who I think D1 baseball had them at top 15 in their initial preseason rankings. The ACC has seven teams in the top 25. And I think Florida State plays like five or six of them on the road this season. And so uh, it's going to be a challenge. You're learning a new system. You're learning a lot of different things that are being thrown at you. And again, the talent's there. The end result might be Omaha. You never know. And Link has certainly done done more with less, so to speak. So I'm interested. I think, though, it's the first time in a while you kind of go in with the clean slate and you're kind of just waiting to see where Florida State goes and where Link takes them. Aria, changing that next year and, and progressing to football. We haven't asked you because we haven't had the opportunity. Give us your 30-second snapshot on how you think the 2022 season was for Florida State and where they're positioned on the football field. Uh, complete success, right? You, you win 10 games and you beat both of your main rivals, winning streak to end the year. You beat LSU and then you win against Oklahoma. And so you're propelled into 2023. The momentum's there. The brand is back, so to speak. And now it's about winning games, right, in, in the trenches and, and when it counts in that third and fourth quarters and cleaning some things up to take you from a good football team to a great football team. And then if you can take that other step from great to elite, uh, KJ, you played. You know how thin those margins can be at that level. That's going to be 2023, in my opinion. And having what you have coming back has just been uh, icing on the cake, so to speak. Yeah, it's certainly there's the horses out of the barn in terms of excitement and hype for this year's team. And we've still got several months to go. Um, what do you, what do you see as the biggest concern in your mind? If we, we might as well feed the hype train here for a little bit, right? It's January. Why not? It's what everybody's been doing anyway. So uh, in January, everybody's convinced you're going to line up and whoever you play, you can beat them. But if you actually think that through, think about where Florida State struggled at the line of scrimmage or inconsistency catching the ball or uh, fourth down success or lack of red zone. I mean, what, what in your mind based on who they brought in, and we haven't seen spring, what would concern you as you look at the, the way the schedule is going to lay out? Well, the, the schedule in general, we don't know how it's going to lay out for about two more weeks. Yeah, you know, I think at the end of the day, what concerns me most will be in the trenches. I want to see if that offensive line can take a step forward. The defensive line, if it, you know, with the the reinforcements, so to speak, that they've gotten and, and verse coming back as well, uh, does that compete a little bit better with some of the the bigger, uh, beefier lines that they faced last year? I mean, Florida, Florida had their way with FSU. It felt like uh, with their offensive line, Oklahoma pushed FSU around a little bit as well with their offensive line. And so that's what worries me at times. Clemson did it in stretches when, when they went on that tear there in the middle part of that game, that's going to be the next step for me is in the trenches. 
because really offensively, how many question marks do you really have? You know, you've got a star quarterback who's returning pretty much his entire receiving core. You're your top running back. You added tight ends. Uh, it really few question marks on the offense. At least you would think, right, in an offseason format while we're thinking about it uh, months in advance. It's defensively that I want to see the Knowles take that step forward because I thought they were good in moments, but I don't know that it was consistent enough from a, a 1 to 12 game, right, Uh sample size. I, I kind of want to see some more consistency because I, I guess what I'm getting at, the Knowles just set a precedent, right, with winning 10 games for the fan base who's going to want more next year. And you're going to have a hard time making fans believers if you win nine games or eight games next year, even if the quality of the way you won the games is different, right? So it's going to come down to, again, can you match this season total? And then you look at what's the difference and it's going to be, you know, those little moments and um, LSU, obviously, to start the year, Tom is going to be. <laughs> that's 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 the moment we've all been waiting for again because you start dreaming about what that year could be like if the Knolls get by the Tigers. There are some that think there was a downside to playing the bowl game in Orlando since you're going to go right back there and play LSU uh, to open the season. I've always thought that differently. I've always thought that uh, you know you play in a place, and, and this is really true for basketball much more than football. But now you're going to go back a second time. It's not a new venue. You've got some pleasant memories from there. You know what the routine is. Uh, I don't see that as the negative some might. What, 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 what do your group, what does your age group think about things like that? Yeah, KJ, I don't know that it's that big of a deal because also LSU played in that same stadium, right? And so the same factors are on both, both teams. You're going back to a stadium where you've already played. Um, I think it's going to be more of a trying to match LSU's intensity right next year to kick it off because you know they're going to be chomping at the bit to come back and play Florida State. But location-wise, I don't see it as a – or stadium-wise as a disadvantage or, or anything like that. If if anything, Florida State's going to pack out Orlando once again and, and kind of give the guys that support that they've been needing. Yeah, can we just go ahead and play the game now? Let's fast forward the calendar and get there. I'm, I'm Tom, ready. I know your familiar ties, man. I know that the Tigers and the Knowles, uh, it holds a, a special spot in the Block family. It it does, and uh, this Block has the bragging rights right now. But as Keith will point out, uh, pick my battles wisely. Would that be your advice here, Keith? Uh, my advice would be to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> 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 Thank you for that astute counsel, as always. Uh, I do appreciate that. Aria, uh, what's your general thoughts on on the playoff expansion to, to 12 teams? Like it, or are you one of these, no, let's just get two in it because we're just going to get more bad games? So here's what I always laugh about with the fans that say, you know, they don't want more games. We get to the offseason and everybody says, we need more football. We need more college football. Uh, and then they get more games and they go, that's too many games. I, I think it's great. It's great for the sport. You know, I, I don't think it's watering anything down. If anything, it's allowing for a, a larger sample size of teams to get in from different conferences. And you know what? At the end of the day, the best teams are going to take care of business anyway and get to where they need to get. And you might you might get an upset or two that's exciting in the way that March Madness has it. Um, in the basketball side of things. So I don't hate it. It's going to be a big moneymaker for a lot of these schools. And uh, obviously TV, uh, TV is very excited about doing something like this, but 
I don't know. I, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine who was like, you can't have athletes, you know, play more games, college athletes. And I was quick to remind them uh, they're starting to get paid now. Uh, they're getting NIL money. So I don't want to hear it anymore about how they're just amateur players that, you know, need to be protecting their bodies and it's time to play football. And, and there's 130 teams that are in division one. There's near 300 teams in division two and division three, and they've been playing 15 and 16 ball games for the last four or five decades. Uh, so I'm with you. I made a comment to Tom. I'll get your, you want to get your reaction. The ACC is doing away with divisions in 23. We, we can talk about the four, the, the expanded 12 team playoff, but that's in 24. But in 23, the ACC is doing away with divisions. And that is an absolute uh, good thing for Florida State because if you were to lose to Clemson, you still have the opportunity to play in the ACC championship game if they pick one versus two in the conference. And I didn't run the numbers. You may know, uh, Aria, you, you keep up with more of this, but I think it's not a long shot to say if the conference, if the divisions weren't in place in 22, FSU might have played in the ACC championship game last year. They were close. I think North Carolina won the Coastal with a 6-2 and two ACC record. So, yeah, Florida State finished 5-3, and three, so they were right there on the heels of having a shot to play in Charlotte. And so I think what they've done is just eliminate the divisions in terms of if there's one division one year that's stronger than the other. It would be pretty heartbreaking, I think, to have uh, a team that say, you know, 7-1 and one in the ACC – or six and two in the ACC, uh, get in over a team that's seven and one in the ACC, right? Uh, because they're just in a different division and their schedule matched up differently. And uh, I have some buddies, you know, who, who are covering the Florida A&M football team right now. And fam, you had the second best record in the SWAC this season and didn't get a chance to, to play in its title game. And then they didn't get into the playoff at that level either with the FCS and it was like uh, an empty feeling for the Rattlers who who won like nine games in a row to end their season um, without anything to play for. So I like this. It seems like more conferences are going to the model of a, you know, one full body and and no divisions. And it's not at, completely out of the realm of, possib of the possibility, fellas, that in 2024, when the 12 team playoff occurs, what if the Knowles and the Tigers are playing three times in a season, regular season, ACC title game, and they find a way to meet up in a college football playoff? I think it'll be interesting. Well, when they created divisions in the first place, the thought was FSU and Miami were going to play twice a year, and that hasn't happened. So I don't really care if you play Clemson twice, three times a year. I just care if the Knowles have success ultimately against whoever it is. Uh, have you looked at the opponents that FSU has next year, by the way, and this adds to some of the hype so florida state you know there's a lot of a lot of talk about louisville now that they've got a new coach and louisville has given florida state trouble well fsu doesn't play louisville next year well, what about nc state that's been trouble for fsu well fsu doesn't play nc state next year so i mean when you look at it yes you have clemson and miami and syracuse as as the permanent ones but uh you've got duke virginia tech miami and syracuse at home and you've got uh, BC, Clemson, Pitt, and Wake Forest on the road. And of course, Wake's going to be breaking in a new quarterback. So uh, on paper right now, on January, whatever it is, it's a pretty nice looking schedule for FSU, it would appear. It does, doesn't it? And, you know, we'll see if the Duke Blue Devils are 
you know, what level they're at with, uh, with Elko running things. I think Duke just flew under the radar this year uh, completely. And, and it's because you look at the brand name and you just don't give it the same level of respect as you should. Um, it's interesting. Florida state's got a shot to do some things. Uh, obviously I'm interested to see how they do at Pitt as well. Uh, I I'm curious about how the Knowles will handle that, but yeah, I think when you look at the schedule and, and the way things shape up, it's really LSU Clemson and then your two big rivalry games. And, and I think from a macro standpoint, I feel pretty good that Florida state's going to win nine games next year. Right. But I think like everybody else, I'm dreaming about just a little bit more than than nine and three. I, I'm trying to get a little bit selfish and and and, and a little bit uh, wanting uh, that next level, so to speak. And so that's where I I wonder who could trip up Florida State for a second and third loss and, and put the Knolls back in a you know Camping World Stadium uh, that type of ball game, Gator Bowl type ball game. Um, and so those are the main ones. We'll see. What do you guys think of Miami? I, I don't know. They could, they could make massive improvements from one year to the next. And then that rivalry game is always interesting. Aria and Tom, and I've talked about this. Our listeners have heard it forever. When, when it comes to Miami, Florida, it doesn't matter. Uh, as our listeners have heard me say 4 million times in 1979, we were 10 and up. Florida was 0, 9 and one. And we almost lost the ball game to, to ruin our undefeated season. So I, I throw all that out the window. When time comes to play the Gators or the Canes, um, everybody's fresh. Yeah, I agree. I've been too scarred by it, Ari. I, I grew up uh, during the wide right. I was in school during wide right. So I'm, I'm scarred for life on, on all that. Um, for our listeners' sake, and we'll let you get going here, Aria, the, the ACC schedule is going to be released on Monday night, January 30th uh, this year on a show on ACC Network. So we know who FSU plays. We just don't know how the buy is set up and how the schedule will flow. But uh, really good to catch up and appreciate all you do for Florida State and uh, for the Osceola. Enjoy the call uh, tomorrow night or Thursday night as uh, FSU women are back on the road at Virginia. Well, I appreciate you guys having me and keep up the great work. All right, Aria Masudi from the Osceola and ACC Network Extra and 12 other places. We'll take a break, come back with more Front Row Knowles. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, thanks to Aria Masudi, who really has done a nice job and uh, continues to excel in the broadcast arena. So congratulations to him on his success. And I'm really sorry that he's getting so old that he's about to turn 29, Keith. I, I saw you uh, not have any empathy whatsoever when he made that declaration. Oh, Tommy, I have, I have three children. Kathy has two. We have five between us. My youngest child is 35. <laughs> noted noted oh and you know you and i both met uh, aria when he was in school he was probably a sophomore and he was wet behind the ears but you knew he had a drive and he had a passion and, and the way he's matured and grown uh you know he used to get so excited when he start first started doing those uh women's games and his voice would pitch up a little bit and he settled right in uh to where he does a magnificent job uh, on those uh, on those uh, women's radio calls, he is really really good. 
Yeah, he does a great job. So appreciate him joining us. I, I teased at the top of the show, Keith, we've only got a couple minutes, conference commissioners. So uh, first of all, condolences to the University of Georgia family for their losses over the weekend. And uh, prior to that, Keith, I'm, I'm sure you saw at the national championship celebration that the commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey, took a shot at the outgoing commissioner of the Big Ten. Oh, yeah. He didn't, he didn't name him, but he fired a shot that, that college athletics and college football needs people who are going to stay around, not just take jobs to build their resume. Uh, or line their pockets because that's always what college athletics has been about. Nobody's ever jumped to another job for more money. Uh, but more to the point, Keith, <laughs> do, do you think the ACC is going to keep its commissioner, Jim Phillips, or do you think that he is already uh, looking at real estate once again in Big Ten territory? I don't know. I hope the ACC keeps him. I've not met Mr. Phillips. I've uh, listened to him in several extensive uh, interviews. I've read some extensive interviews in print. But if you talk to particularly some of the Florida State folks, and if you listen to some of our colleagues that are in broadcast, um, the folks that have had the opportunity of working with him speak very highly of him, very highly of him. So if I had to you know, have a vote right now, somewhat of an uneducated or not fully researched vote, uh, I would hope that uh, Mr. Phillips would stay around. Uh, I know he is well respected from those that he works with in the conference. Your thoughts? Well, I agree. He's well respected. He inherited a job or he took a job that's uh, got a bad hand and it's easy to bang on Swafford as everybody does or Jim Phillips for not making more money appear in the TV contract. But at the end of the day, no matter how many ways you look at it, the only two teams, three schools really that are moving the needle in the conference are FSU and Clemson at present uh, and historically, certainly for FSU. Uh, and Miami to some degree. And other than that, you got a bunch of institutions that aren't going to move the TV dollar. I'd say, yeah, there's North Carolina is a big brand, but you get the point I'm making. So I don't know where the easy button is. I would just say that if he goes to the Big Ten, I hope he takes FSU with him. How about that? Well, we've had that good conversation, but we haven't had it since the season began. So maybe that's a topic or two for uh, Front Row Knowles weekdays. Um, well, those conversations in, uh, February and March. Up. Conference expansion season is is June-ish after the conference meetings and after the revenue is announced. And uh, so we got a few months, but that's what we do to kill time until the games kick off in late August or early September. Anyway, we I'll have no more note. time to kill Keith. We're out of time. I'll make, an, I'll make a note, Tommy. Make a note. Make a note and file that. All right. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.